0: Listening to A Brighter Future, powered by Ontario Virtual School, OVS, and we are connecting you with educational experts and parenting experts on what you need to know when it comes to virtual learning. I'm Alicia Kuzner, and I've been a classroom and online teacher for about eight years now, and today we're going to be talking about online learning and how to use your time wisely. With me today, I have Dwayne Matthews, and he is an expert on the future of learning. He's a teacher, he's a parent, and he sits on the advisory board of OVS. So in today's episode, we're gonna be discussing how to chunk and consolidate your time and why that is so important. To jump into our fact of the day, I wanna talk about executive functioning. The three areas of executive functioning are working memory, cognitive flexibility, and inhibitory control, which includes self-control. And now with executive functioning, everyone has these skills. Everyone uses executive functioning in their day-to-day lives to get things done. But many people struggle with executive functioning. And often when that happens, people are then led to believe that they are unintelligent or unable to succeed either academically or in their workforce or in relationships. Because really, executive functioning does impact every area of your life. But really, it all comes down to strategies and the strategies that we use and implement and practice to help strengthen our executive functioning skills. Now, to strengthen the executive functioning skills that we are struggling with, there are a few options. And what about you, Dwayne? Do you feel like you struggle with any executive functioning areas or have you ever come into some problems with executive functioning in your life?
1: Sure. I mean, um, one of the things that I can think about is working memory. I spent a a lot of time as a child thinking that, um, you know, I I just wasn't smart. And uh, a lot of it is it had nothing to do with with my capability. It had to do with certain pieces of executive functioning that wasn't working. And and so, you know, what's important, I think, is that these are capabilities um, that all brains have, like you. You come with executive functioning. It's the way that you 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 filter the world out in front of you. Um, and if certain components of executive functioning are weak, um, you may have a difficult time um, processing information or, or learning certain things. And it doesn't mean that. Um, you know, that you're unable to do that. It means that if you strengthen certain components of those executive functions, that you're going to find that your your brain is better optimized to learn. And so what's also interesting about executive function, a lot of times when we think about it, we think about it as um, strengthening to, to bridge the gap between a deficit. But we can also optimize, which means we can increase our ability to use certain components of executive functioning like um, one of the things that students are going to need um, in the future is cognitive flexibility the ability to go down a path and to to move very quickly right uh, the, the, the term that probably represents that is to pivot right to be able to pivot into work or pivot into new field um you know, to be able to deal with the fact that the field that you were interested in was automated, you know, last year, and now there's a new field that you have to go into. So that cognitive flexibility becomes very, very important. And there are actually tools and techniques in neuroscience that you can use to train those things, to optimize them, to increase the capacity um, of of your, your cognitive abilities.
0: Yeah, exactly. I know that if we just sit idly and expect executive functioning in ourselves to get better, that's not going to happen. We have to use our tools and our strategies and our our little tool belt, you could say, to overcome any areas that we are struggling with. And a lot of people may notice that if you personally have ADD or ASD, which is um, attention deficit disorder or autism spectrum disorder, you may notice that you have some executive functioning difficulties. You can have ADD and ASD and not have executive functioning difficulties. Likewise, you could have executive function difficulties and not have ADD or ASD. So it really is a broad spectrum area that affects so many people. And I would like us to now jump into some tools that we can use and some strategies to help us with our executive functioning.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I think what's also important is when I have a conversation with parents, I always say. You know, it's a marathon, or if I'm having a conversation with students, I will say it's a marathon. And, and so sometimes you have an idea as to what it means if something is is a challenge. And it's actually an opportunity to turn it into a really huge benefit because you develop and design strategies that you're aware of, um, as opposed to just kind of learning by automaticity that you're not necessarily aware. And that really enhances
0: Okay, so as you mentioned, Dwayne, there are a list of strategies that we can use if you struggle with executive functioning. But I'm just going to put it out there right now. Even if you're not struggling with executive functioning, you can use these strategies just to make your life easier because you're taking away all that work of trying to remember, recall. If you don't have any strategies to help you with memory and consolidating your time, I definitely think that you should try these because it's just going to make your life easier. So the first school of success strategy of the day that I want to talk about is chunking. And chunking is a technique of organizing or combining your individual pieces of information into chunks. And this helps with easy retrieval of the information if you are having to memorize a bunch of information. And instead of just trying to recall and regurgitate what you have memorized... If you put these ideas into chunks, you can then make better connections and you can get to your ideas a lot faster without having to recall word for word definitions, which generally doesn't really help you in the long run anyway. So Duane, do you have any examples of chunking that you would like to share?
1: So one of the things that I like to use, and I know you were going to talk a little bit about pictorial, um, and it's a way to use, um, Pictorial memory, and it's called a memory mansion or memory palace. And essentially, what you do is you write out the notes, so you create the notes, the image in your mind, and you associate it with a place, a physical place um, that you know. So typically a house would be a great idea, or you know, some people use other physical places that they know, like a mall. And you start to visualize putting those notes in those places, in specific places, and you map out a path. So you may put your notes visually on the kitchen table, and then you may put it on the stairs. You may put it in your bathroom. And as you map out this path, you your brain starts to create an association between the actual visual cue and the notes themselves. And so if you quiet the mind, you're able to see these notes almost like you're actually looking at them um, as you go through. And so when you have to recall, you start to recall the place um, and you can see the place and that allows you to visually pick up on on the notes that you've left in those different locations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that idea of having that visual house where you are in your mind that you are storing individual ideas or your chunks together, absolutely. And so, when we talk about chunking, there's three important parts to chunking. Um, the three main parts are identifying the chunks, right? What is what are the grouping that you're going to use? Then we have to group and memorize the chunks. So we put all those individual ideas into those groups that you have identified, and then finally, it's the retrieval of the chunks. And we can use this memory strategy for really anything. Use it for your work, your school, trying to remember your day-to-day activities with your friends. Um, And there are three ways to use chunking to help with our memory. The first is pictorial method. So I use this all the time. Pictorial method for me, what I would do personally, because I struggle with memory, I struggle with working memory, is I, when I was studying for my courses in school, I would draw a little image next to the person or the term that I was trying to recall. So for instance, one that came to my mind right now was B.F. Skinner. And B.F. Skinner is a big psychologist um, and he studied classical conditioning and operant conditioning with rats. And he also used pigeons. So for me, when I was trying to study BF Skinner, I would draw a little rat by him. So I would always remember, okay, Skinner rat or Skinner pigeon. And then all that information would could get triggered as soon as I saw the rat. And so for me, I'm a visual learner. I need those visual picture cues to remember that term. And it worked for me. Um, so if you look over my notes, there's tons of little doodles and images by each term to try to trigger my memory onto what that means, rather than trying to memorize the actual term definition. Um, itself. The next method memory strategy is index card methods, and this is very common in school. Very common in um, when we're studying with our either our classmates or our peers. And in this method, we ask students to try to memorize maybe a list of events. It could be historical events or concepts, terms. If you're in science, there's a lot of terms. And so we use index cards and that way you can actually see if you are consolidating that memory. Because when we are looking at our notes and we're just rereading over our notes, we can't tell if it's actually sticking in our brain or not. You can get a false sense of confidence when you're looking over your notes And you think that it is sticking into your brain, but it's not. And when you remove the notes and you have to recall without any cues, then you might struggle. So index cards are great because you can pull them up and hide them right away. And that way you can see, can I actually recall that information? Even though it looks familiar, you can say, oh yeah, I've heard of that term before. But when you remove the card, can you recall? And that's a great way to test your brain to see if it's actually in your memory or not. And then the third strategy is our rapid fire rounds. And so students use chunking in pairs in this particular strategy. And just like the previous method with the index cards, you have to chunk the information together, note it on an index card, and then give it to your partner. And the other partner then has to get quizzed on it and so this way it's not only just trying to memorize it word for word you are also trying to use your own words your own thought processes on explaining what that term is and the rapid fire round is again to test your memory to see what can you recall quickly because generally when we do our tests and when we are in an examination environment we got to move pretty quick and get that information out. Well, that was a long walk to this uh, workshop and we can start talking about tools to add to our learning tool belt. So Dwayne, we've talked about, you know, executive functioning and consolidating time and chunking, but I think now we need an actual tool for our tool belt so that our listeners can actually leave this podcast with a tangible tool that they can use to help them with chunking and consolidating time and their executive functioning skills.
1: So, you know, a lot of the conversation was really around how do you learn? How do you upload, if you will, right? Like that's probably a, a, an analogy that we can we can all connect with. How do you upload um, information? But one of the things that we're learning is that our brains actually function on a sleep and wake state. So when we're, we're, sleeping we, we call it the circadian rhythm um, how we sleep how deep we go into sleep and when we wake up there's something called the ultradian rhythm and the ultradian rhythm is basically how much time can we upload and optimize the information that's coming in and consolidation is the time the downtime in between so our a, one a really important tool is to pay attention to this rhythm and typically um, you know the upload time, is around 90 minutes. And so for about 90 minutes, you can kind of power through. It. And a really good way to do this is to create some sort of cue to let you know that you're about to start. So the first thing I would do is I would create a cue for yourself. And once you have that cue, you know this is the start time, this is the focus. And you can you can drive that focus with with your actual eyes. It's like the, the entry to the, the brain itself. And so you can like maybe stare at the work that you're about to do for a couple of minutes to get your brain like sort of psyched up and amped up. And then you you go for it. So you go for that learning piece. But after 90 minutes, if you really want to optimize, you do nothing for 20 minutes to allow for this call consolidation time. And when I mean nothing, I mean nothing. You don't check your phone. You don't read anything. You, don't, you just sort of sit. Still, you lie still, you just take a mental moment to check out. And what actually happens is your brain starts to remember the things that you were just learning backwards. We don't know why that happens, but we do know that when you go to sleep, that it then remembers those things forward and it optimizes what you learn. So you will find that if you practice this method of 90 minutes and then 20 minutes, 90 minutes and then 20 minutes, you're actually gonna be able to learn significantly more than if you try to power through and cram all the way. And one of the things about ultradian rhythms, you know, people say, well, I'm different. No, this is how your brain works. And so if you do that, you're actually going to be able to learn more. So what do we do with the consolidation? Very, very simple. We think about our ultradian rhythm. We know that we have a 90 minute upload time and a 20 minute time where we're doing absolutely nothing. And then we start again. If we get into that rhythm or that habit, we're finding that we're going to be able to learn a lot faster and we're going to be able to remember a lot better, specifically if we use the strategies that we mentioned
0: before. Yeah, I feel like that's so difficult for some people, especially myself, when you're trying to consolidate and you can't go on your phone and you just have to sit there and just let your brain process. And in today's life, that is so difficult because we have so many distractions and so many things that, you know, I have a short attention span, so I want to be on TikTok while I'm watching Netflix, while I'm, you know, reading something online. And I, you know, so absolutely, that's a great tool for a tool belt. We need to just chill, just relax, just let your brain do what it does.
1: And a lot of things that, you know, I do to deal with that. I, I know exactly what you mean. I have an app on my phone that'll tell me how many times I've picked it up. So I literally try to reduce the amount of times that I pick it up. And, you know, I've been known to do some really weird things. I've been known to take my phone out of the room and put it in the car. Um, I've been known to to put it in another room. If I'm on my my laptop when I'm learning something, I literally put the phone behind my my laptop, so I don't see it. I don't keep it in my pocket. Um, lots of different ways to make sure that when I have that downtime, there is a a great app that I use on on my watch that allows me to kind of just stop for a moment and get myself really calm. And you know, I may go for that. But there are lots of different ways that you can do it. But once you get into the habit, and it really is a habit, um, once you get into the habit of doing this, it strengthens that part of the executive function, and so it gets easier over time. Lots of us, we grab our phones um, really because uh, a type of conditioning, and we can condition ourselves um, away from that so we can build a new habit, and I'll talk a little bit about habit the next time we come on, but it is a fantastic way to be very aware of what you're doing, And, and one of the things that I think is, we've probably had, you know, maybe about 15, 20 years of devices And now we're really starting to think about how does these devices actually work for me versus me working for the device? And so I'm really excited about the next stage and how students will outperform the students before. The students today are way smarter um, than we are. And with these techniques, um, they're going to be able to do a lot more extraordinary things than we've done in the past. And I'm very excited about that.
0: Absolutely. I wish that I had all the different tools and strategies that kids are using today to get ahead. Um, And for me, I didn't have access to those because teachers weren't using them at that time. So it's great to see our students uh, starting to use all these strategies and tools and devices to their benefit. um, And also trying to, like you said, make sure the device doesn't control you. You're in charge of the device. Okay, so let's jump into our elective course spotlight, and the course that I want to highlight today is Earth and Space Science, which the code, if you want to take a Google and check it out on the Ontario curriculum, it's called ses for you, And it is an Ontario course that we offer at Ontario Virtual School. I developed this course. It's grade 12 university level. And it takes an in-depth look at our planet Earth and our universe, which is so interesting. Unit one is all about astronomy. So we don't just talk about our solar system. We also talk about the beyond, the other galaxies, how the universe was created and all the different theories behind it. And we touch on a little bit of physics. We touch on a little bit of chemistry but it's what I like to call the fun sciences where I'm not asking you to recall any formulas. It's really understanding the theory behind science and and using that and recalling that and applying it to what we know about our universe. Then we jump into planets and our planetary science. We jump into our own solar system, which is so interesting. And we are constantly learning new things. Every time I update this course there's something new out there. I feel like every single day there's new information coming out. So it's really student-led learning. I teach a lot about planetary science and um, astronomy, but because there's so much new information coming out constantly, a lot of the projects are research-based because I'm learning stuff from my students. You know, there's new articles being released with SpaceX. The rover on Mars is discovering new things and sending back images constantly. So as a teacher, I love this course because my students are bringing things to my attention, you know, while I'm reading about them as well. But, it's very interesting to be teaching a subject that's constantly changing. Then in unit two, we jump into Earth's geological history, which is my favorite. That's my background is geology. I love rocks. <laughs> and so we jump into basic geology. We talk about rocks, stones, how our Earth moves, our um, tectonic activity, some really interesting information about magnetic, magnetic north and magnetic south and how those are changing, Then we jump into Earth's minerals, which comes into crystals and really starts to refine um, all the different levels of what we can, what's in our Earth and how we can use it for resources. And then finally, our geological processes, which is how landforms are made, different parts of the world and why they look different based on their geology. So overall, I love this course. I think it's really interesting for me as a teacher to teach, and I get a lot of positive feedback from my students who are interested in it. If you want to check it out, if you want to see a demo lesson to see if it's right for you, go to ontariovirtualschool.ca, click courses. You can search out S E S for you, or you can just look at all the other courses that are there. There's lots. And every single course has a demo lesson. So if you click the course, there's a demo lesson. You can watch one lesson of me talking and you can see the interactions and what we are going to be covering in that sample lesson to see if it's something you're interested in.
1: So one thing I'd like to say before we go as well, Alicia, is that, you know, there is over 140 courses at OVS. That's a wider offering than most day schools are able to do. And one of the challenges that students have when they're thinking about courses is which courses to choose, how do I choose the courses, what are the right courses? And I thought it would be a great idea to mention that at OVS, one of the, the really cool student innovations at OVS is that they have free guidance counselors that are available all the time. And I know that when I was in high school, I think I saw my guidance counselor twice, once in grade nine and, you know, at the end of grade 13, I'm aging myself um, when she said goodbye. Um, But I think it's really great, especially during the pandemic to try and figure out, you know, what's my best path in if I want to do post-secondary, I don't have a chance to speak to my guidance. A lot of times the guidance counselors are something like 391 students to one guidance counselor, but students can reach in. Um, and they can connect with a guidance counselor. And what's really cool about that is that you don't have to be a client or a student with OVS. You can reach in and set up that appointment. So head on over to the website um, ontariovirtualschool.ca and make an appointment with a guidance counselor and. They'll be able to help you try and figure out what some of these really cool courses are. Um, And, you know, Elise is awesome. There are a bunch of other teachers as well that are pretty awesome. So I would do that and just try to figure out, you know, what do I want to do? Even if you don't want to become a student at OVS, it's still great to be able to talk to a guidance counselor. um, And it's a great way to help you figure out what do you want to do
0: absolutely because our guidance counselors they know what universities are looking for what credits you need for a particular programs. so you can talk to them and let them know what your goal is and see what direction you should be headed in well i think that is about all the time that we have for today although we could always keep talking i feel like juane has so much awesome stuff to share thank you again for a great conversation Joanne. i really really enjoyed this one If you would like to have a copy of these strategies and tools that we discussed, check out www.ontariovirtualschool.ca forward slash podcast. All the information is there. And for more information about the resources, support, our guidance counselors, all that stuff, visit ontariovirtualschool.ca or you can find us on social media at Ontario Virtual School.